as someone who doesn't have a website yet and is really kind of building up that clientele, I just want to know how you start valuing yourself. Welcome to Brand Therapy. I am Phil. And I'm Lauren. That was a new inflection. New inflection, baby. Got to switch it up so people stay excited. New beginnings is the theme of this episode. Oh, boy. No, this is actually a fun conversation we have today with someone who kind of reminds me of me when I first started out. Launching into the workforce, trying to build something for myself without really knowing what I was doing or having a mentor to kind of help me out. People have asked me that before. Like, Phil, did you have a mentor when you started out? No, I just figured it out. That's just what worked for me, in part because I had tangible skills. Very quickly built a client or two and could show people what I was capable of helping them with. It's kind of like crazy looking back on it, isn't it? It was so long ago. Yeah, it make me feel old. It's true, though. It was a while ago, and and but it's cool how all things evolve. Our conversation today is with Reagan, who is already starting to feel that evolution happen. It's a little bit like you where she's working for someone else, but realizing, man, there's an opportunity that exists for me to go out and do something on my own. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely got that entrepreneurial itch. She does. And it's interesting to kind of navigate these new waters of, well, if I build something to show for myself, how do I price? How do I communicate that? What's the exact role that I need to play in relation to the contractors I bring on? So we talk about all of that. Mm -hmm. And we also talk about how specific she should be in her offering. Like, should she target a certain niche or demographic? Should she be open to all opportunities? So we cover all of that. All good stuff coming up right now. Here's our conversation with Reagan. So, hello. <laughs> My name is Reagan. Um, by day, I work at doing project management for a digital marketing agency in Ottawa. And by night, I do... My side hustle is personal branding for an entrepreneur. And I also run a monthly speaker series for entrepreneurs because I'm really passionate about kind of getting um, small-scale entrepreneurs get their voice out to the public. But recently, a few colleagues and friends of mine have been recognizing my strong social media presence and they just kind of want me to mirror that for their own personal brand. So I'm really kind of starting, I'm thinking about starting a little side hustle where I help people kind of figure out their strategy and their positioning and kind of turning that into a process for them to follow as well. Similarly to what you guys do. So is there a particular like niche or type of person that you like to position or are you just open to anything? Yeah, right now I'm open to anything because I'm trying to build a portfolio. But I'm not tied down to only doing it for women or only doing it for men. Those two people that I'm working with directly right now, um, both public speakers, which is interesting. Very interesting. We've worked a little bit in that space as well. And that's hot on my mind because I am also trying to build my brand as a speaker this year. So interesting. What do you think compels people to you? Why you? Why are people reaching out to you about this? I just believe that I'm very active on social media and really taking off these local talks, like I mentioned earlier, which is the speaker series, have really um, got people to recognize me as someone who's supporting entrepreneurs. And just the social media promotion that I have to do to accompany these events um, has just brought attention towards me. And then when they go on my Instagram feed, they see um, cohesiveness and the tone that I set off and they just kind of want that for themselves. Someone who really 
it's people that don't really like social media, but know that it's really important. And they're hoping that I could fill that gap. It's funny because part of me is thinking like, you should be ultra specific and say that you specialize in, in personal brands for speakers. But then another part of me is thinking that like, you should be leading by example and also be open to any and every brand. I don't know, Phil, what do you think? This is like the pigeonhole debate that we have all the time. Yeah, it is. But then at the same time, I think by rocking the niche, you're going to build secondary and tertiary markets. I've said 5,000 times in this lifetime. (laughs) I say own it. It's interesting though, because I'm not a public speaker myself. So I believe like when you're having a niche, don't you have to kind of represent no, standing for it. Also, I mean, public speaker might be a little specific, even to focus on personal branding. There's room for you in that space. So you think personal branding is like that's just vague enough? Well, yeah, I do because that's how we position our own business. Yeah, so yeah. it's worked for us. People see personal brand and go, "Ooh, that's me." They care about people. That's worked for us. I think it would also work for you. I think, and you've got proof of concept in some of the client work you've done. Right? I don't really have a business platform or really a business set in place, but would you recommend creating that business positioned around my name? Or would you kind of recommend kind of creating a company with one employee, maybe two if I get a graphic designer? Well, it seems to me like people are approaching you because they like you and your brand and what you've done online. So I think that naming a company, anything aside from yourself is is like a kind of going against what the people want. Right. Yeah. So I think probably it should be your name. And, and I think the main thing that we need to figure out is not necessarily who you're targeting, but more what perspective you bring that's unique. So don't you, don't you think, Phil? Mm-hmm. Phil's nodding. So it's funny because well, it's not funny at all, actually. So I shouldn't say that. But but yeah. I'm looking. It's you're saying that you don't have any experience and you have no strategy. But I'm looking at your feed right now, and it's like excellent, and your visuals are like spot on. And I think that you actually are far more strategic than you're giving yourself credit for. So, do you think that people are really inspired by sort of the the visuals that you bring to your brand? Yeah, I really think photography plays a big part in it. Just kind of learning how things fit together. Yeah. What are you doing with photos right now? Like, do you have a photographer who's taking them for you? Or are they uh, taken by friends? No, it's more just me behind the camera saying, I want my photo to look like this. And then having them take it. So it's like, almost like I'm creative directing my own photos. Yeah. I think what you're doing is kind of like second nature to you, but actually for a lot of businesses and maybe some people that are older than you, it's not. And that's where... You know, that's where we tap into this expertise and this is where you can kind of monetize what you're doing, which is a lot of work, but it is kind of effortless, at least compared to how much effort has to be put forth by someone who doesn't do this, you know, (laughs) hasn't figured out how to master this. That's the exciting opportunity, I think. Okay, so this is might be crazy. This might be a a horrible idea and you guys might laugh forever, but what do you think of the title personal brand director? Because Reagan, you yourself said that you are, even though you're behind the cam or like in front of the camera, you're telling the person behind the camera what you want the photo to look like. You're basically being a director for your own brand. And that's kind of what other people are approaching you for, right? Right. I didn't think of it like that. Yeah. I think maybe you're like, because the strategist is kind of like, 
And it's funny because that's the title that Phil and I both call each uh, ourselves. But I think strategists can kind of come across as like a little like flimsy, if that's the right term, like it's a little vague. And, and for you, I think that you'd be very, very direct and very involved with your clients. And it's not just ideas, but it's more execution. So I, I like the term director for you. So aside from kind of how to position the business, I kind of wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about pricing strategies because um, as someone who doesn't have a website yet and is really kind of building up that clientele, um, I just want to know how you start valuing yourself and kind of what points you use to, what proof points you use to kind of create that menu, as you said. Or jumping at the, or what do you call it? Chomping at the bit to talk on this. We get excited about this, but no one gets more excited about this topic than Lauren Moore. No, Reagan's like, I wanted to talk to Phil. Shut up, Lauren. Okay. So there are a few ways to approach pricing and I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on each. So you could do a retainer method. You can bill hourly or you could do a flat rate. So a retainer, um, you probably do this at your agency, actually, but just for the listeners who might not know what a retainer is, usually a retainer is a flat rate that's based on a set amount of hours, but it's paid up front, so it's slightly discounted. And you work against a retainer for a number of months. So let's say in month one, you're under the retainer hours, you would work more in month two to balance it out. So ideally, you're like ending up right equal with the hours that you estimated by the end of your retainer project. But again, it's very, very time focused. A lot of times like people will, contractors or, or entrepreneurs will like this because it means they're getting the money up front faster and clients like it because it's slightly discounted, but it's very, very time driven, which is risky. And then the second is hourly. So Reagan, you would basically just create an estimate for the amount of hours you'd work. You'd record those hours and the time involved, and then you bill the client directly for the hours that you actually worked. That is great, but with the right or with the wrong client, it can also be really risky because then they're putting more emphasis on, again, the time you're working instead of the quality or output that you're delivering, which can be really, really difficult, especially mm -hmm. from a billing standpoint. And then there's flat rate, which is our personal preference. This is how we do things. But the flat rate basically is us estimating how long something's going to take, but not really telling the client how long it will take and instead focusing on the value of the service and just billing flat rates so there's no surprises. You have to be really, really clear about what your parameters are. So it's not like a, a buffet where you pay like a flat fee to get in and then it's unlimited. But it's good because if you work quickly and efficiently, then you end up getting more money really per hour but the client isn't really privy to how long things take. Is there a way that you've been billing to date? I just have been doing super discounted, very, very discounted from what I um, would hope to get paid hourly just to kind of get that clientele in and just with, the, with giving them the expectation that I'm kind of learning as I'm building the strategy. But I guess as time goes on, I do like the value method because you could always um, provide them the estimate in three buckets, the least having the lowest amount of service is the most being value um, exceeding what they ask for. And then the middle bucket being exactly what they want. And then sometimes when you position um, pricing that way, they will go with the more expensive option because they're showing them a bunch of things that they didn't necessarily think of from the get-go. <laughs> 
Okay, stop. I'm going to try and tell you about our brand audit consultation in under 30 seconds. If you like what you're hearing, then you can visit philpallon.expert slash therapy for a 15% off on our actual 90-minute consultation that we do privately. Okay, that's under 30 seconds. I'll talk to you later. Bye. And then sometimes when you position um, pricing that way, they will go with the more expensive option because they're showing them a bunch of things that they didn't necessarily think of from the get-go. Yeah, I think that's a great approach, a really, really great approach. And then just on kind of like the the internal side, like you who's setting the pricing, a lot of times entrepreneurs will think, okay, I want to make 50 grand per year. So if I divide 50 grand per year by 40 work hours in a week, that's $25 an hour. So that's how much I should bill as a freelancer. And that's actually completely like incorrect because you have to actually pay yourself for the time that you're spending looking for clients and doing like boring administrative stuff and not necessarily getting paid to actually work. So just make sure the kind of rule... Yeah. And you also have to pay more tax if you're a freelancer too. So you need to allot for that in your rates. So let's say you want to make 60, like if you were doing it full time, you wanted to make 60 grand a year in an ideal world, you should actually be charging $60 an hour. That's the kind of rule of thumb is you like, it's the, I guess you would divide it by a thousand. And that should be the hourly rate that you have in your head. Right. Phil, how did you start off billing? I can't remember. Was it hourly? I know. I can't remember either. It, I, for a very long time, it was hourly. And I found that actually that kind of transparency with the client eventually worked against me. Clients became distracted by how long things took me instead of the quality of what I was delivering. So I eventually pivoted back to flat rates based on how long I knew things would take me. But in the early days, you don't necessarily know how long something's going to take you. So it's kind of a gamble. It's kind of a risk. But then if you know you underquote, you've learned an important lesson. Likewise, if you've overquoted for time, then you kind of figure out how do I make this worth their while and be fair. I think the most important thing is to be fair. That's really at the root of it. However you bill, you know, different things work for different people. For us, I think what we've arrived at, we wouldn't question it now. And maybe this is getting like a little bit technical or more kind of to into the business side of things. But um, when did you know that it was time to bring on Lauren? So when did you know it was time to kind of bring in a partner and um, deviate that work from just yourself? I'm going to take this question. Yeah, no, um, shut up, Lauren. Two, two big moments in my no. business. Yeah, <laughs> I'm <know>. kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> two, two big moments in my business where I had to make a decision to make a drastic move. Both of them worked well. The first was when I decided that I had to stop designing logos myself and start hiring someone to do that. I made the decision. It was very weird because for a long time, you know, I was working as a brand strategist and people would pay me for advice. And then I'd present them with what I found and they'd turn around and say, great, I want to hire you to design my logo. And then all of a sudden, I was in the creative position to actually design it. And then they became the boss. It was kind of like this this exchange of power. It was like, I'm the boss. Here's me telling you what to do. And then they come back and then they become the client. It just was weird. So I decided, actually, I I need to sit in the middle between a creative and a client. The, The creative 
spends their time every working minute becoming better and better as a graphic designer. I need to sit in the middle of that. I don't spend my days doing that. I spend my days managing people like that and working with clients and communicating. That's where I'm strong. So when I made that move to sit in the middle of the creative process, it was very powerful. My business doubled within a year. The next time my business doubled within the year was when Lauren joined full-time. She took a risk leaving a pretty lucrative job at an agency to come join me in a structure where she'd directly benefit from the type of work and scope of projects that we had going on. So she was motivated to bring in clients. I was also motivated to bring in clients. That type of setup for us was huge. And it was scary. Do you remember, actually, when you first approached me with the idea and I was like, no, I'm not ready for that? Yeah, I quit my job literally three separate times, the same job. And it was funny because the first time I quit, I was like, I'm going to take the risk. I see such potential in Phil. I know that what we have together is really, really special and we'll figure it out. Like we have such complementary skills and we'll figure it out. And then Phil was like, I don't know. I, Phil was just kind of like, I know it's we can do it, but I'm also really not ready, blah, blah, blah. And then the the agency at the same time was like, well, would you be interested in working part-time with us instead of quitting altogether? So then I did that, and then I quit another time when we were ready, but right. then they were like, well, we still need your help, so can you work with us hourly? And then finally, I quit the last time and joined Phil full-time. <laughs> and with that poor agency, my God, they were so good to me. But I don't really know. I guess I was more the one driving that than you making the decision, right? Well, I just had to take the leap and go, okay, we have to figure out how to bring in more client work and make more money to make it a two-person business. But that happened. So you kind of, you take the risk and you get behind it and you make it happen. You know, it's just how it is. There's no two ways about it. I will say that, at least in my experience, because now I'm kind of managing the clients a bit more and Phil's the one that they really want to talk to. (laughs) But I will say that in our working dynamic, it's a lot easier to have a good cop and a bad cop. Before, Phil, you had to be the good and the bad cop on your own. And that was was tough, right? Which means like being friends with the client, but then also having to collect invoices and money or saying to a client, you know what, really, that's not good for you. I tend to play good cop now. And Lauren is the one that that will push back when needed. And that does work well. That's really great advice. So it almost seems like it's a happiness with you then to do it on your own once you get to a certain place. You'll get to a certain place. You can it, won't, it, I guess. Right. It won't happen overnight, but certainly it will happen. And you kind of reap the benefit from it at that point. You also have to have that person that you know and trust or you have that dynamic. And that's the kind of thing that will, I think, just happen naturally as you look to bring on creatives and contractors for your projects. But you're a pretty strong personality, and I have a feeling that you could handle this, at least to start, totally on your own. I get that feeling from you. I feel like you could just totally handle this. I'd like to, but obviously I'm not a graphic designer, so your piece of advice is to sit in the middle between creative and clients. I really, that really resonates with me. Yeah. And they have all these tools online, like Fiverr and 99design which I know is destroying the design industry. But for people that have a side hustle, it's really great. Yeah, and also just to build a relationship. I mean, I think if you're going into branding, social media, some of those services are 
they're convenient. They're not exactly top quality. So I think if you're able to deliver top quality, build a relationship with a graphic designer you know and trust. You know, I've been doing this with photographers for years. I've had photographers eventually leave working with me because they've gone on to, you know, do big and wonderful things. But I typically get in early, you know, while they're they're still affordable. And that's really at the level I'm working with clients, I've built some of it. So yeah, you figure it out as you go. And you love the work that you do so that you invest yourself into it. and You enjoy it every day that you pour yourself into it. That's the most important thing. Great. Thanks, guys. I think I have the brand down pat. I really admire what you guys do. And I really want to... When you always say, um, you know, sign your brand heroes, well, you guys, you and Lauren are my brand heroes. So it's more oh. about just kind of building a business, just structuring it. And, <laughs> and you guys are doing that, right? So got to learn from people that are killing it in the industry that you want to be in. Yeah, that's cool. No, I mean, you know... It's reciprocal. You're a badass. I'm excited to see you do this and develop (laughs) your own thing. Really excited for you. And I think if there's decisions that we can elaborate on, you know, things that took us a few years to arrive at, we can share that with you. You can do it right from the beginning. That's also kind of exciting. So we're excited to see you go and do this. Thanks so much. It was really nice having with you guys. Likewise. I could talk to you for like three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Anyway, tell us like how you're feeling and, and what you're planning on doing next. Well, my next step is to work through the two clients that I have. Um, one of them being a speaker for mental health and development, and the other um, is a motivational speaker for um, kind of building businesses. So I want to kind of work through those clients and kind of see um, where I get with the process and building those strategy decks. And then I would like to take my learnings and build out a website that kind of shares my services and what I do and a little bit of um, a glimpse into my portfolio. Fantastic. Sounds like a great plan to me. I love it. Good luck with everything. Let us know how it goes. But we'll be your biggest cheerleaders on the sidelines saying, go, go, go. We're really excited. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. You too. Have a wonderful day. We'll chat with you soon. And thanks again. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. Can we just hire her? I know. (laughs) You were thinking that. I was thinking that. She is just the best. Don't do your own thing. Come help us. (laughs) She really gets it. And I love her personality. I love how she communicates. I think if you can master all those skills early on, you're kind of set up for success. I know that we're like, I mean, these interviews are supposed to be anonymous and we're supposed to have no context with the people that we're meeting. But spoiler alert, we knew Reagan before this call. And what I just always admired about her is that she doesn't just like settle for one job. She's always been such a hustler. Like even when she was in college, she was working like in multiple freelance jobs and involved with all these clubs. She's like kind of like you were actually. like Definitely. Back in the day. And I think one thing that has set her up for success you know, post-university is the fact that she has tangible skills, proof of concept. So even if you have one client project, you know, you still, if you can prove what you're good at, that helps you immensely. It's the difference between telling and showing, which has come up obviously on the podcast before. So I'm very excited to see how this develops. And I meant it when I said we'd be her biggest cheerleaders on the sidelines. 
We want to know what you think. Hashtag brand therapy. I'm at Phil Palin. I'm at the Lauren Moore. This whole song and dance. Go to iTunes if you listen to the show and you like it. Leave us a review. Five stars. It helps other people discover this. And let's just continue the conversation on social media. If you do take the time to listen, we want to know about it. We work hard to make this. And the whole point is so that you listen and you learn. So let us know what your takeaways are, what you're excited about. And let us know if there's anything you did disagree with too, like what experiences you've had with pricing that did or didn't work with you. Awesome. We'll be back again next week for a brand new episode. Until then, enjoy and thank you for listening to Brand Therapy. I would say goodbye in different language, but I don't really. Goodbye. Goodbye. Next time on Brand Therapy. I just jumped both feet into my business full time. I've been kind of building where I am today for about two years. And, you know, things were rocky. Sometimes I'd have so many clients, I was staying up all night working on them. Other times, I really only had one or two clients kind of on retainer. 